0: Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online, so you can access it from anywhere in the world. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whenever it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist with no additional cost. With BetterHelp, you, got, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from an office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% of your first month at betterhelp.com slash how to survive society. That's better H E L P dot slash how to survive society. Hello survivors. This is your girl Abby Ayola Williams and you're now listening to how to survive society. How to survive society Is a weekly podcast that features survivors. These are people that have been through the ringers in life. They've been through hell and back, but they choose to stay positive. They choose to win. They choose to thrive and they choose to survive. So let's get right into it. hello survivors thank you for tuning in to another episode of how to survive society today I have a very special guest her name is Rachel Sidoway and she is um she's an author she co-authored a book with her mother Sonia and we're gonna talk more about her childhood her mother and um, bipolar and, and and all things like that so we can get um, more details about her life um Rachel welcome. <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you here. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so you're the you're the only daughter and the first um, born of your parents, um, which it, it's kind of like the same as me, because I'm the only daughter on my mother's side, and then I have two younger brothers. So I can yeah. kind of see like the similarities where like after your mother, you're like the mother figure in your family pretty much right so yeah. um so let's talk about um your upbringing in the household that has more boys than females so is there a difference difference and um how was it growing up for you
1: yeah there's definitely a difference when you're the only daughter i feel like um, it kind of links you to your mom as the other mom, for sure, whenever she's not there. But in my case, since my mother was um, severely mentally ill, she went untreated for a long time. She has bipolar disorder, OCD and anxiety. And so even when she was there, it felt like I had to step up and be the mother figure because she was in bed depressed or, you know, unable to be emotionally available.
0: Mm. So At what age um, did this start? Did you start noticing this happening to your mother?
1: I would say from as early as like six years old, I noticed that my mother um, needed help, I guess is what I would say. And my mom welcomed the help. You know, we had an enmeshed relationship most of my life, which means the parent views the child as an extension of themselves to get their own needs met. So it made me feel important. When I was younger, I felt needed and I felt like an adult, you know, so it wasn't till later in my life that I came to resent the role I played. Mm-hmm. In my life, But when I was younger, it made me feel very important and needed.
0: Mm.
1: Wow that's um
0: that that must have been tough, you know at from six years old to be a caretaker when somebody should be taking care of you, so that's uh, that's rough, that's rough so um you said your mother suffered from bipolar o c d anxiety and all those stuff, so um is it like a family history or is it genetics or was it the environment that um you know,
1: that made her, yeah, have those things. It was definitely genetic. Um, so, I mean, I feel for her, she didn't ask to have these things, you know, her dad was also bipolar. He died from suicide. Um, and so she grew up in a household with a bipolar parent. And I think that taught her some probably bad habits, but then she also got the illness through her genetics. And so, she didn't have a great example of how to be medicated and manage an illness because her own father went unmedicated her whole entire life, pretty much.
0: Wow. Mm. that That is kind of rough to grow up in a household. I'm talking about your mother now, uh, where um, the father didn't even know that he had bipolar. So what is bipolar for anyone that doesn't even understand what that is can you explain what bipolar is
1: yeah bipolar disorder I mean there's that Katy Perry song that says um, you're hot and you're cold you're yes and you're no you're a love bipolar and it's pretty much that's it very oversimplified but bipolar is when you go from one range of emotions to the next and it can be you know very much the opposite. So you're either really manic and you can be excited and feel on top of the world. You're going to win the lottery to You're so depressed, you're in bed and you're, you want to kill yourself. So it's just very back and forth and you have very big emotions.
0: Hmm. Wow. Thank you for explaining that. So yeah. Rachel, um, let's talk about you now. So after you were, um, taking care of your mom and the family, of course, cause you're like the, the next mother and maternal figure in the family so um did you go to college university um did you have goals for your life were you able to reach those goals despite the fact that your mother um you know had mental issues so what what's your life about
1: yeah so what's so funny is um even though we had this enmeshed relationship where she viewed me as a way to get her needs met the enmeshment kind of worked in an in an unusual way because whatever goals I had, she made them her goals. So I went to college. I went to BYU. I got an art education degree. Um, I'm dyslexic. And so school's always been very hard for me. And my mom kind of like, Took over my schooling for years. She emailed my college professors as me. She would call the college pretending to be me. She felt the need to control my schooling because she worried I wouldn't succeed without her. And so naturally, I feared I wouldn't succeed without her either. And so it took a while to kind of build my own confidence that I could do things on my own Um, because for a long time, I. I knew I could be successful with her help, but I didn't have a lot of proof that I could be successful without her help.
0: Mm, I can, I can understand that because you're so, your relationship is so close and so tender that you feel like without your mother, you can't do anything. So I I do, I do see how the, the dynamic can play out. So after you finished college, what did you do after?
1: So I got married and Mm -hmm. I have a daughter now Um, and I'm an author. So I write books and I'm a keynote speaker on mental health. And so I've kind of used this lived experience with my mom as the launching for a career for myself. I feel like I have a lot of lived experience. Mm -hmm. and yeah I feel like I have a talent with writing, and so I was able to put her experience into words so people could understand what it felt like to be mentally ill that's right I'm happy that you're um in that space because
0: you've been through it you've lived through it, so now you're helping other people that you know that might have a parent with mental illness to you know get through it and and just get the tips and the everything, the tools that they need to be able to do that for, for their family. So how was your relationship with your father and your two brothers?
1: They're good. They're good. I feel like um, I love my dad. I love my brothers. But because my mother and I are so, or at least were for so long, so enmeshed that it didn't leave a lot of room to build a relationship with my dad. Mm. Um, And he said in the past that he kind of felt like he was watching from the outside. My mom and I have this close, meaningful relationship. And it just didn't look like there was room for him. And Mm -hmm. so he told me, I don't know how to have a relationship with you. And I'm telling him, I feel like you don't want one. Like, I don't feel like you're trying to have one. But at the same time, I understand how he could feel like there's not room for him in there because we just... You know, we are so close.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I can I can understand your point of view and his point of view because um, you're a girl, you know, and sometimes girls look up to their mothers more than their fathers because they can relate, right? It's, if you have any any story from school or anything that happens, you tell your mother first because your mother will understand because she's also a female. So I can understand why your dad will feel like, you know, a there's no room for him because your your mother was so close. So and I'm happy also that your dad was able to stick around, and be there for you and your siblings and your mother because sometimes when there's you know somebody in the house that's getting very depressed and stuff, it, it can court I mean cost um, divorce and families splitting uh and stuff so kudos to your dad for sticking it out and you know making sure the family unit is together because that's rare to find so when you see your dad say thank you dad (laughs) (laughs) yes
1: yeah yeah he actually um has a book too because the first book i wrote is an impossible Mm -hmm. life and it's about my mom being bipolar. And we got so many people saying, well, wait, I want to hear from the husband. How did he stay mm-hmm. married to someone? And so we wrote a sequel, An Impossible Wife, which is how he <laughs> stayed married to someone bipolar.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I like that. So um, so have you only written one book? I, no, you just said two, but I know, but for you, per se, have you only written those two books or there's more books that there's- you'd like to talk about?
1: There are, those are the only two that are out, but by the end of the year, we should have two more. And then this, the impossible series will be complete. The next Mm. one is an impossible mom. And it's what it's like to be raised by a bipolar mother.
0: Mm. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So where can people find the two books that you've written so far?
1: They're on Amazon. They're also on audible and Kindle. But Amazon, you can buy them all through there on all those formats. But yeah, it's an impossible life and an impossible wife. So an impossible life. Yes, that's and the an first. impossible wife.
0: Correct. And then the next one would be impossible daughter. I'm joking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> an impossible mom. I know. <laughs> It's pretty amazing. My mom's okay with all these books. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's good that you guys are able to
0: like, you know, write a book about your experience and that will actually help other families that are, you know, going through the same thing because, you know, bipolar is not an easy disease to deal with. And um, so kudos to you guys for turning your pain into helping other people and help also helping yourself so that's amazing
1: <laughs> thank you thank you it definitely oh, takes vulnerability for sure yes <laughs> that's so true cuz
0: sometimes people don't know that they have a story to share so it's
1: hello think it might have dropped you oh now I can hear you okay yeah I'm I'm like I'm here I can hear you
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. perfect so how is your daughter and your husband doing
1: they are doing so good my husband I married someone who is very, very supportive of just, you know, me having a career and trying to be a mom. And so that's been awesome. It obviously took a little transition when we first got married because my Mm -hmm. mom and I were still enmeshed. And so he was like, (laughs) I feel like your mom is your number one priority and I'm supposed to be your number one priority. And so Mm -hmm. it took therapy and we were able to work on that. And we had just a lot of open communication where, you know, he might say something to my mom and then it upsets her and yeah. I would get mad at him. I'd be like, you can't upset my mom. I have worked my whole life trying to keep mom happy and you're getting in the way of that. And that makes you the enemy. And he was like, mm-hmm. I feel like you care more about your mom's feelings being hurt and you don't care that my feelings were hurt. And I was honest, I was like, you're right. I do care more about that. And I need to work on that because currently that is how I'm reacting. Cause that's how I'm feeling, but give me time to put you first. I need to, my like my autopilot has been making my mom my first priority. So just give me time to undo that wiring. And if you're patient with me, I, I promise I'm working on it. So he mm. was patient and I've worked on that. And having a child is interesting because, you know, you have this child that you want to protect and love at all costs. And mm-hmm. I had my child when I was still enmeshed to my mom. And so I went through this hard thing of, you know, how do I put my mom first when I mm. need to be putting my child first? Mm. Wow. That was kind of the that was, having my daughter was the thing that broke, I, I would say, our enmeshment, like kind of started cracking it because I just I told my mom I I can't I have to be a mom first. I can't be, you know, your caretaker anymore. I have to be my daughter's mom. And mm. that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah.
0: I can imagine. So um I'm trying to understand this. When you say caretaker, what what do, what exactly do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So my mom um, with her mental illness required a lot of emotional support. And mm. so I would be taking 12 to 15 calls every day and mm. I, I never know what the call is going to be. So I always answer because mm. I, or at least I used to always answer. I didn't know if it was going to be, she's suicidal. She needs yeah, pep talk. I didn't know if it was, she needs help choosing what shoes to buy at Nordstrom rack. Like it could be, yeah, it could be anything. Her OCD needs help making a decision or her bipolar needs, you know, help to not be suicidal or manic, or it could be her anxiety. Mm -hmm. She's feeling anxious, or it could just be her calling to say hi. I never knew. So I answered the phone all the time and it made me Um, live my life on the phone with her which obviously isn't healthy definitely not
0: (laughs) like I was I'm just thinking if for somebody else that's what I'm saying like you're such a great daughter because if for somebody else and they see their mother calling that often they'll be like um no I'm just gonna ignore this call because she's too much (laughs) you know so I Kudos to you for, you know, picking up your mother's calls because a lot of children don't and won't because they don't want that their um, mom's problem to be on theirs because they are also going through life and they are also trying to figure it out. So somebody else um, bringing their own problems and their own issues onto yours is like, okay, I, I can't do this. So kudos to you for having the, the 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 capability to open up and help your mother so because a lot of children could have been like i i type out tap out just leave me out of it yeah go to your husband or go get help or something like it's not my job
1: Right. <laughs> so. right and it's and it's not their job and i mean there is definitely a balance right you don't want to mm-hmm. be You don't want to be cold hearted, but you also don't want to be stretched beyond your capacity. So I've been trying to figure out that happy balance of I care about my mom. I love my mom. I am willing to help my mom, but I can't put her life before my life. I still have to have a life. I need to put Mm -hmm. my husband and daughter first, but my mom can still be a priority to me. And that's what my therapist has helped me with because I when she was like, Rachel, why are you answering all these calls? I was like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't make her feel abandoned. That's one of my mom's biggest fears is being abandoned. I will mm-hmm. not abandon her. And she was like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's not I give my entire life to my mom or I abandon her. There can be a happy middle where you can pick up calls, but you can also just let them ring and you can live your yeah. life. Go to the park with your daughter. And that was so healthy for me. I would sometimes I still struggle with it. I let my phone ring just to prove to myself I can like when she calls, even if I could answer, sometimes I'm like, "Just prove to yourself, you've set boundaries, and you can let the phone ring and so I'll just let it ring, and I'm like, "All right, I'm changing. I'm good. I didn't have to answer." <laughs>
0: yeah it's true your therapist is right you know you you have to have a balance so how does she call your brothers as much as she calls you
1: no and that was hard for me because I felt very alone in being her caretaker but Mm -hmm. it also was kind of my fault because I mean I picked up right so my brothers are a lot better at setting boundaries with her like they just from the beginning, just won't answer or just say, mom, I'm busy. Can't talk where Mm -hmm. I never felt comfortable doing that because I felt like my words held more weight than theirs did. So if my brother ignores her call versus if I ignore her call, it, it matters on a different level to my mom because of the closeness that her and I have. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel comfortable to exercise those boundaries until recently.
0: Hmm. Well, wow. I'm happy that you're able to um, you know, set, set boundaries because it is important because you can't live your life for somebody else, no matter how much they might need you. But like you said, it's not your job. You know, it's not your job. So that's that's amazing. So um I I I read on i well not read, I saw on the YouTube video that you sent that you guys were um donating books to libraries and in different places are you still donating books or that part of it is over
1: we still donate books um so we donated books to libraries in all 50 states in the U.S. and then currently we're donating books to prisons so we Mm -hmm. donated books to the world largest women's prison in California and Oprah Winfrey actually came and um did a little book club with us over Zoom, which was so fun. Nice. So we do <laughs> we donate books to prisons currently and to veterans and drug rehabilitation. So we're always doing something, you know.
0: Yeah, that that's amazing. I'm I'm really proud of you, your mother and your whole family, like I've said earlier, because a lot of this would have definitely split apart some families. So kudos to you guys for keeping it together and and finding yourselves through it all, you know, so kudos. So before we do go, is there any last thing you would like to tell the listeners out there? Like any tips that you have for somebody that has a parent that's bipolar OCD or have anxiety, how can they deal with that parent or somebody in their family without losing themselves? You know?
1: Yes. Yes. I would say, two things. So usually children with mentally ill parents can kind of be in one of two camps. They're either their caretaker or they have distanced themselves, um, for self-preservation usually. And to the ones who have distanced themselves, I would say, I totally feel for you. It is so hard to have a productive relationship if the other person is not willing. But if they are willing and they're just hard, please be empathetic to what they're going through. This pain they're in, this mental illness they have, they did not ask for it. They aren't truly to blame for a lot of it, but they need love more than they need really anything. They need support. And then to the people who are their caregiver and are tapped out, I would say be sure to set those boundaries. If you don't have boundaries, your relationship will just fall apart. And it's so hard to set boundaries with someone who's suicidal because you're like, what is more worth than keeping a suicidal person happy? You know, you'd rather not have boundaries. So you have an alive parent versus Mm -hmm. having boundaries and risk that you lose them. And Mm -hmm. I understand that. So Yeah, I would just say you do need boundaries though. And please be empathetic to what they're going through because it is unbelievably hard.
0: Mm. Thank you for those tips. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel, for coming on and sharing your story. And um, for the listeners out there, please do support them, buy their books. It's on Amazon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming.
1: Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Big, big thank you to our guest for um, for today. And if you would like to learn more about today's topic, please go on howtosurvivesociety.com. There you can get um, some life skills courses and some merchandise. And um, contact me if you would like to be a guest on the show. So thank you so much for tuning in and have yourself a lovely day. Within minutes of finishing your recording, podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over a hundred thousand podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something great together. So if you ever need help to start your own podcast, reach out to me. And then you know what you can do. Also, you know you can follow the link in the show notes in the show notes that lets Buzzsprout know that. I sent you so you can get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan and you can also support the show that way. So, yeah, so if you're looking to start your own podcast, reach out to me, follow the link under the notes show and you'll be able to sign up and get a $20 Amazon card. Yeah.